Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. It is attacked. It is called toxic. It is called deadly. It is called unhelpful. So we don't want men to be masculine. There, we live in a culture today that displays men in an effeminate way, uh, men who have, been, uh, who have been downgraded, who have been demeaned, who have been disrespected, and uh, it's no wonder today that men are in trouble. Many men, uh, boys who grow up, do not know what being a man really means. And so I want to preach a message that will hopefully remind us and help us today Uh, what biblical manhood looks like, and especially when it comes to fathers. There's a story that comes out of the Battle of Waterloo, famous battle in uh, in the nation of Belgium that took place uh, several hundred years ago. This is when um, the uh, British Empire and a coalition of other nations defeated Napoleon and his great army in France. And it is said that during this time, there is, a, uh, there is the, the commander of the British forces was named Duke of Wellington. And uh, when the fight became uh, so intense, there was an officer who galloped on his horse up to his commander, the Duke of Wellington, and his words were, my captain... We are being destroyed. We need reinforcements quickly. The Duke said simply, stand. The officer galloped back to the relay with the message, and that messenger galloped back to those troops on the front line. Just stand. Again, the officer sent word again, no, we need reinforcements. Without reinforcements, we will be defeated. The message came back to the Duke of Wellington. He sent again the same message, my brothers, stand. He said, I have no help to send you, so I tell you to stand. The officer saluted and replied with these words, you will find us there, sir. The Duke of Wellington and all of his armies, even though it was a bloody battle, finally gained the victory over Napoleon and his forces. And when the Duke of Wellington came to this place where the officer had been requesting for reinforcements, he found every man at his post. They had all died in battle, but they had stood to the last moment. They had laid down their lives so that the rest of the army could gain the victory. Now, I want to share with you this morning that this is the call of biblical manhood and fatherhood. It is the call to stand fast, to stand firm. When the battle rages, when the storm winds blow, God has called you men to stand firm. Somebody say amen. I'm going to get a little bit excited this morning because I love to see when godly men are empowered to do what God has called you to do. Now, I'm not here to preach egoism. I'm not here to preach about machoism. I'm not here to say that you should be Sylvester Stallone or Arnold Schwarzenegger. Most of what we see on a television screen is not masculinity. It is mostly pride. It is mostly lust. But what we see in the Word of God when it comes to men of God, masculinity that God has called us to is this. 
stand fast. Stand firm. Like what Jesus said in Matthew 24 as he begins to predict the end of the world, and he says that each of us in those very difficult times, he says, he who stands firm to the end will be saved. We've been seeing in our study in the book of Revelation how Jesus commends those churches. And what is the word that he says? You who are obedient to the end. You who are faithful to the end. You who who will continue on and stand fast and stand firm, those are the ones who will receive the crown. And so this is a call this morning to biblical manhood, which is the commandment, stand fast. Let's read the scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, just one verse there, verse 13. Short, but it is incredibly powerful. And it says these words, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. I want to read that in one other translation, the NIV. It says, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be men of courage, and be strong. This is the call today. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus. I thank you for the opportunity to preach Lord, your word and your truth this morning, I pray, God, that your people would hear the voice of the Holy Spirit whispering in their ear. I pray for every man of God here this morning, God, that we would stand firm in the place that you have set us. I pray for every woman here, Lord, to support the men of God and to do all in their strength to to see what God is doing through the men of this place. And we thank you, Father, for the Holy Spirit. And for the blood of Jesus who gives us these incredible commandments, we thank you for the word of the Holy Spirit. God, bring your anointing on this service today. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, in a generation where so many fail to stand firm, so many men fail to remain at their post, in a generation where so many fail to keep the faith, The call to every man this morning is to be on your guard, to stand firm. Do not retreat into the night, but continue to fight. Continue to stand firm. And I want to look at this morning some reasons why men fail to stand. Some reasons why, from the Word of God, so many in our generation fail this commandment to stand firm and stand fast. And I want to look at just a few of these with you this morning. The first I want to mention is so common. It is the problem of pride. Everybody say pride. I have been amazed as our corporate overlords here in America have been pushing the gay pride agenda for the month of June. Hey, did you hear that it's gay pride month? (laughs) It's been on every billboard. It's been on every... Uh, uh, commercial. It's been on everywhere I go. I'm even traveling through Washington yesterday. It's amazing. You know, the homosexual community in America today is only 2.5%. But you would think it's like 75% because of uh, corporations and businesses who see an opportunity to be socially woke, to be on the cutting edge, to to gain some points with the world, And they put a rainbow flag on everything and say, we stand with Gay Pride Month. Can I tell you this morning, can I remind you, pride is not a virtue. Homosexuality is nothing to be proud of. If you see a gay flag hanging from a store, you should probably skip shopping at that store. Can I I just share that with you? All they're looking for is the approval of the world. Pride, from the beginning, is the reason why so many have fallen when they needed to stand. Psalm 10, verse 4 says, In his pride, the wicked does not seek the Lord. In his thoughts, there is no room for God. Now, when I speak about pride this morning, I'm not talking about how we should take pride or honor or dignity in the things that we do. 
We should be invested in our work and in our lives, and we should be proud of our accomplishments. But when we talk about pride from the Word of God, pride is the original sin. The reason why they fell in their sin was because they thought, Adam and Eve in the garden, they thought that they could uh, be like God. Remember the original temptation that the, that the serpent sold to Eve in that garden. She said, he said to her that God is holding something back from you. You are made to be more. Listen, Eve, God is holding back from you the knowledge. He knows that in the day that you eat of it, you're going to be smarter, you're going to be better, you're going to be stronger, you're going to be more awesome than the way God made you. It was the sin of pride. Oh, if I eat this, I'll be better. It is when we think more highly of ourselves than God has intended. Matthew 5, verse 3 says, Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is the opposite of pride this morning. It is when we recognize our spiritual bankruptcy. It is when I stand up here in nearly every service and I remind you that we are sinners. That is an attack. It's an affront against your pride. You know, do you know what keeps people in their seat at the altar call time? Many times it's pride. The, the reason is I'd rather sit here in my chair with my dignity intact than to admit that by going to the altar and praying that I've got a problem and I need help. It is our pride that stands in the way of God's kingdom. It is pride that stops men from taking responsibility for their wives and their families. Pride is like body odor. Let me tell you, when you travel outside of the United States, good Lord, you will smell some body odor. You ever been around somebody with bad body odor? <laughs> Maybe you've been that somebody. The problem with body odor is that everyone can tell you've got it, except for you. And scientists have actually confirmed this. You can't even smell your own stink. There's something about the stink that you produce that your, your, uh, your brain tells your nose to ignore that certain frequency of scent. And so you're producing. I came in last night after uh, 38 hours of traveling. Whew, I'm uh, almost sane this morning. But I came in last night and I'm hugging my girls and I can tell there's something on their faces. And I said, do I stink? They said, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't tell. I came into the house, bad breath, bad body odor. Hey, if you've traveled 38 hours straight, you'd probably stink too. And the problem is I couldn't tell it. I thought everything smelled good. That's what pride does to us. Pride is something everyone knows. Oh, he's just filled with pride. But you can't tell. You can't see it. It makes you blind. So many of God's men cannot advance in the kingdom because you can't see how proud you are, how it stops you from advancing. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 31 says, Let him who boasts, boast only in the Lord. That means we should never boast about our own accomplishments, boast about our own insights. Isn't it funny how you remember your own history in the best light possible? You can edit out every story to leave out your faults and your failures. Isn't it funny how when I'm preaching from the pulpit, you never hear stories about how I messed up or how I was stupid or how I failed. It was all about how I gained great success. Preachers do this all the time because preachers have pride too. Pride infects the soul of every man. but it will stop you from standing firm. It will cause you to fail when the battle gets tough. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, at the incredible chapter 13 about love. And Paul says these words, Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. 
The Greek word behind the word pride, it means literally to be puffed up or blown up. To, you know, you say uh, the, the guy's head has become so big he can't even fit through the door. To be puffed up means to have an inflated opinion of yourself. And I want to tell you that that kind of pride will not coexist with godly love. With the self-sacrificial love, the agape that God showed us through Christ His Son. Jesus, when He wanted to show us what it was really like to be a man, He washed the feet of His disciples. He stripped Himself of all of the all of the pretentious, all of the, the labels that they, oh, rabbi, teacher, oh, please let me, no, no, no. He stripped all of that away so he could wash their feet. A servant. Pride will never wash feet. Pride will never uh, make sacrifices for others. Pride says, I'm looking out for number one. Pride is the trinity of me, myself, and I. But that's not the love that God has taught us to live. 1 Corinthians 6, 16, 14. Do everything in love. And what is love? Jesus taught us that greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. And the reason I believe that so many have allowed pride to infect our souls and the reason why it causes men to fall. Listen to the Scriptures in Proverbs. It says in Proverbs 16, 18 that pride goes before the destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. If you've ever found yourself as a man saying, yeah, I got this. I'm a Christian now. I'm super Christian. I'm super father. I'm super husband. Pride goes before destruction. If you ever find yourself depending on your own strength, your own wisdom, your own understanding, your own experience, all of those things are needed. But at the end of the day, pride says, I am inadequate. I'm unprepared. I haven't seen it all. I haven't learned it all. I haven't experienced it all. That's what humility looks like. And that's why this morning that those who will stand fast, those who will stand firm, will not be of a proud spirit. Will be those who are humble. Who are meek. It doesn't mean that you're weak. It doesn't mean that you are effeminate. It doesn't mean that you're a wimp. It means that you are filled with the love of Christ. The same kind of love willing to go to the cross to protect those that you love, to redeem. Take a look at that picture I put up on the projector screen. This is one of my favorite military establishments. It's the 3rd Infantry Regiment. These are the, this is the, the, the group that has been tasked with protecting the tomb of the unknown soldier. Washington, D.C. It's there in Arlington Cemetery. Let me see your hand if you've ever been there. Uh, when you go to this location, it is an incredible sight to see. They have a, uh, a, very, um, a very detailed uh, regiment that they do. Uh, they have one soldier that stands and walks back and forth, and I think it's 23 minutes. They, they guard the tomb. They've got a, a weapon. They've got uh, a path that they walk. They've got a whole regiment that they do. And every 23 minutes, I think, it, it's another, uh, another soldier that comes out, and they pass the, the duty onto the next soldier, and so it goes 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. And these are not the wimps. These are men who are battle-tested. These are men who have been through the fire. These are the best of the best that we have to protect this tomb of the unknown soldier. And the picture that you're seeing there on the screen is during Hurricane Sandy a few years ago. Let me ask you, what were you doing in Hurricane Sandy? You were hunkering down. You were hoping that it would pass over without taking any shingles off of your roof. You were protecting. You were watching out. You were hiding. But not these men. In the middle of the storm, they were marching back and forth. They would put a piece of plastic on top of their hats 
to protect them from the rain, soaking them completely. And there they stood in the wind and in the rain, getting pounded. Nobody else is there. But they're standing firm. Can I tell you, pride does not do this. Pride says, what am I doing? This is stupid. Let me just go inside. Let me protect myself. Let me put myself first. But these are men who see a cause that is greater than themselves. And they will sacrifice themselves, their comfort, to accomplish their purpose. What about you this morning? Pride says, oh, I've got better things to do. Pride says, I'm more important. My ways are higher than your ways. Pride is the same sin of the devil, our enemy, who says, I will ascend to the Most High. I will be like him. I will do what I want to do. That's the sin of this generation, friends. I will live how I want to live. You can't tell me what to do. Pride says, I don't need to stand. I can live how I want. But men will stand fast. Second issue that we see that causes us to fail in our commitment to stand firm is the issue of pain. Everybody say pain. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8, says we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. Paul is showing us what it means to stand firm even through pain, even through suffering. The pain that he confronts in this scripture is different kinds of pain. And we, there are different ty- kinds of pain in our lives that we have to face. There's mental pain and anguish. Obviously, there's physical pain. We feel the pain receptors in our bodies. There's emotional pain, scars of past letdowns and disappointments and failures. There's also spiritual pain that we face, the pain of not knowing what God wants for our lives. Let me ask you this morning, when pain and suffering comes into your life, will you stand firm or will you fail? I'm always amazed at people who tell me, Pastor, I couldn't make it to church. I couldn't come because I was uh, sick or I was depressed or I was broken in my heart. And I say to them many times, listen, when you're suffering, It is not the time to stay home and feel sorry for yourself. When you are suffering, when you have mental pain or anguish, it is not the time to uh, abandon all hope. It is the time to stand firm in the faith. To stand up and say, I will continue. I will go. That is when I need to be there even more. When I'm hurting. Outwardly, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, we do not lose heart, even though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. I'm amazed as I was listening yesterday, I'm traveling, I'm going all over the place, I'm trying to not lose my mind. And uh, so I'm listening to some podcasts, and I heard, uh, as I mentioned, I heard a podcast interview with a young man from Iran. Had a powerful experience and encounter. He's he's uh, he's he's there, and he's a religious guy. He's trying to seek truth. He's trying to read the Quran. He's trying to pray to Allah and all these things. And one day, as he's trying to do these things, he has a sincere desire in his heart to know who God is. And he has an incredible, visible encounter with the risen Christ. Jesus speaks to him directly and says, this book is a book of lies. Read the New Testament instead, and you'll find me there. That's what this young man did. It was so powerful. It was so, it was so, uh, um, uh, just opened his eyes, and he began to read the Bible. He met Jesus in the Bible, and he began to serve Jesus with all of his heart but there was a price to pay. 
because as soon as he did, uh, he, was, uh, he, he was fired from his job. As soon as he began to tell people about his encounter, listen, those things that happened to him. Like Peter, he said, we can only speak the things that we have seen and the things that we have heard. He began telling people, I can't believe it. Jesus showed himself to me. He's real. Look at the New Testament. began to tell all of his friends. The revolutionary guard began to crack down on him and his family. As he's preaching, as he's telling everyone, he, he, uh, he speaks to his own mother. His mother got radically saved. The mother began to read the Bible, gave the Bible to his father at the same time. The father began to read. He wasn't so convinced, but then his father had a dream in the night. Jesus revealed himself to him in the dream. His father got converted also. But every time this happened, the government came cracking down on them even harder. They began to be socially rejected from their circle had to be kicked out of their apartment. People began throwing stones at them when they would walk down the street. See, what if you face that kind of persecution for your faith? What if living for Jesus meant that you would lose your job? Would you still do it? If you lost your 9 to 5 and your paycheck every two weeks, or on the first of the month, would you still serve Jesus? If people threw rocks at you every time you showed your face in public, that'd be pretty painful. If the IRS started cracking down on you and taking your savings account, would you still serve the Lord? Did you hear those words of Paul? We are hard-pressed on every side, but we are not crushed. We are persecuted, but we are not abandoned. We are struck down. We are not destroyed. Because the promise of God in this life is not that you would never have pain. He never promised that. If you can find that promise for me in the Bible, you're probably reading the wrong Bible. It's not in there. Everyone who served the Lord with great power and efficiency and effectiveness in this Bible suffered tremendously. We live in a very strange time in world history where you can serve Jesus and not have a lot of pain associated with it. Very strange time in history. I'm there in Nigeria, man. I'm seeing these people, what it takes to get to church. Oh, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. How much we complain. Oh, pastor, I have to drive 10 minutes to get to church. (laughs) On roads with no potholes. It's so hard. I'm telling you, these people, it takes them three hours. Some of you who are there, I don't actually, nobody is in the room who was there last year, but there's a pastor who was launched out of the church in Lagos. His name is Pastor Kizito. Last time I was there, I preached in his church. This brother, if there was no traffic in the city, it would only take him 20 minutes to drive there. But because of the traffic, because the roads are overloaded, because they're broken with potholes and, oh, it's terrible. It takes him three hours, three hours to drive what is the distance of only 20 minutes. So this brother has to get off off work at 4 p.m. in the afternoon, and he's driving three hours to make it to church at 7. And while I'm there preaching, every night he's there. And then he has to turn around after the service is over, 9 o'clock, and he has to drive. Oh, the traffic's not so bad. He only has to drive two hours on the way home. I pray the Lord would convict you, man. We complain. He's got a broken up car. He's got holes in the floor. But you know what? He's there in the church service, hands lifted, speaking in tongues, filled with joy, got a couple of converts with him in every service. I'm looking at this man. I'm looking at others. They, they have to travel. Pastor Bitwell has provided for them a bus. He says, if you can get to the service, if you can get here on time, then I will help you to get home. Every service, they pack this bus full of people who are trying to get home, and he'll drive them out. There's, uh, they have a driver of, the, of that bus who, after every church service, he spends four or five hours dropping these people off in their neighborhoods. Mm, we've got it hard, don't we? Paul says these are all light 
and momentary troubles. It's really not that big of a deal <laughs> when we get persecuted, when they throw stones, when they kick us out of cities. What Paul is trying to do is refocus our minds on eternity. See, the man of God, the man who stands fast, who stands firm, he is not so much concerned about the pain and the difficulty of this life. I could complain about my long travel yesterday. I could complain about 38 hours to get from Lagos to Virginia Beach. But you know what? Missionaries in the past would have traveled 38 weeks to go the same distance. Light and momentary troubles. Most of what you face in this life is light and momentary trouble. So don't think yourself so important that you need to complain about it. No matter how bad you've got it, no matter how much pain you're suffering this morning, somebody's always got it worse. So shut your mouth and give God praise. When we allow pain to twist our mind, it will cause us to fail, to stand firm. Let's talk also about passions. Passions can cause us to lose our faith. Not, when I say the word passion, I'm not thinking about the love to serve God. When I say passions, I'm talking about emotions. The, our basic instincts that begin to drive us to things that we really don't, should not be doing. 1 Corinthians 5, uh, sorry, 15, verse 58. My dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. When I say that passion causes us to lose the ability to stand firm, I'm talking about your feelings. We live in a very emotional generation. I feel like many times, speaking to young people, I have to walk on eggshells so I don't offend, so I don't upset. Oh, no, don't take it the wrong way. Oh, please, listen to what my heart is saying. I, let me tell you, I have to speak the truth. Let me speak it in love. Let me feather it up and soften it. And uh, Sometimes, we, in order to communicate in this life to young people who are so emotional, who let the smallest thing spin them out. It's not just young people. When you are controlled or led by emotion, those are the passions that cause us to fail. Can I tell you that being a man does not mean losing your temper? When you lose your temper, when you are at the, you have a, they say you've got a, a short fuse, and all of a sudden everything, your, the color of your face changes, the veins begin to bulge, and the voice begins to raise, that's not biblical manhood. That means you don't have any control over yourself. That means you are controlled by your passions. That's not what a man does. A man can control himself. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 23, says uh, that the church there in Corinth, that many people had been allowing their emotions and their passions to control them. And Paul says to them, there are some who do not understand or some unbelievers come in saying, uh, that they will they not say that you're out of your mind? <laughs> He's talking about how they're speaking in tongues and how they're uh, they're putting on this r crazy show and you know this is the charismatic movement that you know people slithering on the floor and making a kind of big show and you, have you guys lost your mind? This is why we need order in the service. This is why we preach and God needs to put order in our services and we don't just we don't just let everyone you know speak out of turn. So it also should be in our personalities, men. If you let one little word or your kid looks at you the wrong way and all of a sudden you, your, your demeanor changes and you're pushed out of yourself and your passions gain control. Or your wife says something to you that you don't like. Oh, and all of a sudden, oh, well, I'm not going to talk to her for the next three days. 
you tiny little child. Get over yourself. Don't let your passions rule you. 2 Timothy 1 verse 12. Because I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. The Lord does not treat you that way. (laughs) Aren't you glad that God doesn't fly off the handle and throw lightning bolts every time you say something stupid to him? Take an example from the Lord Jesus. As he's hanging on the cross, he's giving everything that he has to give. And they're mocking him. Ah, if you are truly the Messiah. Oh, he said that he could save himself, that the temple would raise him. Oh, let's see. Let's see if he can take himself off the cross. Then we'll believe. Mocking him, spitting on him. Man, I'm glad I'm not Jesus because I would have done some business on that day. I'd have called down the, the hordes of angels. I said, turn them inside out. Not Jesus. You know what he did? He said, Lord, forgive them. He, he rose up out of the situation and he began to pray for the people who were mocking him. Can you do that, man of God? If you, if you can't remove your passions from the situations, it'll cause you to fall in the post that God has put you. Let's close and talk about the phony premises. These are the lies, the false teachings. This scripture that we started with in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, the reason that Paul is saying it is because he is speaking to the church there in Corinth about false teachings that have been spreading through the church. He said there was some false ideas and some premises, some lies that were being preached across the pulpit. There were some people who came in with strange doctrines and wild ideas and began to teach incorrect things. And as a response to that, that's why the Scripture comes. Watch. Stand fast in the faith. Be brave and be strong. It's going to take courage to stand for truth. We, uh, in 2019, there are still lies passing through the church of Jesus Christ. There are still winds of doctrines that blow through. There are still false teachers who come on the television and the radio and begin to preach things that will cause you to fall, cause you to fail. I'm thankful for, a, for a, a, a fellowship that we have, the leadership that we have that protects us and keeps watch over our souls and begins to call out various things from the pulpit. If you've ever been to a Prescott conference or a Chandler conference, you'll hear God begin to dealing with certain issues of our day and our generation, the winds of doctrine that are not helpful, but in fact harmful. We must be on our guard. These are the things that can cause us to retreat. Finally, we looked at this this morning at pitfalls. Pitfalls are temptations. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can stand. God has called us to stand even through the pitfall of temptation. The biggest pitfall in the Corinthian church was sexual immorality. Hmm. It's a good thing we don't have to deal with that anymore. How many men of God have fallen in their post because of this issue? Have failed to stand because of some little thing that shakes her tail at you? Because of some light and momentary pleasure for a moment brings you pleasure destroys. I've seen families destroyed. I've seen marriages. I've seen people who follow sexual immorality to their own demise. Read the book of Proverbs, chapter 7 especially, to learn what sexual immorality will do to you. It is so dangerous 
that Paul says of all the things that we should run away from, we should flee from sexual immorality. 1 Corinthians 6, 18. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. With your body. Your body was not made for immorality. Your mind was not made for immorality. God made you to stand firm. Sexual immorality is like, is like taking poison. When we allow it to exist in our lives, what happens is many times we can put on a show. Well, nobody's going to know. It happens late at night when nobody's watching, when nobody can see. It's so accessible, you can tap three buttons on your phone and find yourself in the midst of sexual immorality. All the amens quit. I'm not sure what happened. But we have a powerful pitfall that can trip men up. And before we know it, God has called us to stand firm in our prayer life, to stand firm in our ministry, to stand firm in our marriages as fathers, as husbands, as men of God. And so many men are stuck in the pitfalls. And we look around and it's time to fight. It's time to do something for God. It's time to preach the gospel. It's time to outreach. It's time to win the lost. And we say, charge! And the commander turns around and sees all of his soldiers stuck in the holes in the ground. I want to fight, Pastor. I want to pray. I want to do something for God, but I'm just stuck in the pit of immorality. The enemy uses it to twist your mind so you can't think clearly. That old saying says that immorality will take you farther than you want to go, will keep you longer than you want to stay, and will cost you more than you want to pay. I want to close this morning by saying, you don't have to fall for any of these things. Not for the pitfalls of life, not for the passions which so easily control us, not for the pain which causes us to be discouraged, and not even for the pride that infects our souls. Listen, God does not use perfect people. If God only used perfect people, then He wouldn't use anybody. But God can help you this morning, men of God. He can help you to overcome. Not to be ruled by these things, but to rule over them. That is not an impossible task. For someone who says, Pastor, it's impossible to live for God, you are a liar and you've been listening to the lies of hell. My call to you this morning is that God made you to stand fast. Look at those men. They've overcome their pain. They've overcome the pitfalls of drinking too much beer and eating too many potato chips. They've overcome the pain of training and discipline. They've overcome the pride of uh, commanding officer, you're not going to tell me what to do. They know how to take order. Look at them. The command was protect that tomb, and they've completed it. And if you doubt for a moment that you can overcome these things, be encouraged this morning because God can help you, God can strengthen you. We serve a Savior who overcame the pain of the cross. A Savior who overcame the pride of, uh, of the temptations that the enemy brought to him. Fall down and worship me. Oh, Jesus, you don't have to go through like this. You just bow down and worship me. I'll give you all the, all the kingdoms of this world. That was a temptation of his pride. Oh, Jesus, it's going to hurt. Lord, if this cup, if there's any way, let it pass from me. There's no way. Stand fast was the call from heaven that's also the call to every man in this place you're a husband you're a father you're 
uh, you're a man of God. Maybe you're not in the time of your life where you're a husband or a father. But you're a young man this morning. The call is still the same. Rise up. Stand firm. Don't let the winds of doctrines blow you. Don't be ruled by your emotions. Don't be proud. But live for the Lord. Stand firm. Stand fast. That'd be a good one for a t-shirt, Amanda. Stand fast in the faith. Be brave. And be strong. What we see is manhood, a toxic masculinity in our culture. Hey, that's not real manhood. It's not machismo. It's not ego. True manhood is this. Be brave, be strong, and stand firm. When you do that, beloved, when you stand firm in your home, in your family, in your marriage, over your emotions, over the pitfalls, the temptations, then you can stand firm for the Lord and you can accomplish great things for God. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for just a moment. Oh, I wish that for just a moment, uh, this is why we do international impact teams because there is almost nothing in this life that can change your perspective about your own life by going to a place that you've never been to and seeing how people there live for God, even with all of the challenges that they face. I've come back from Lagos again, just amazed at the comfort we have in this nation. I've said it a thousand times, but you need to hear it. Even if you're poor in America, even if you're at the poverty level, you are living better than kings and queens in most other places. I spent a whole week with almost no water pressure. <laughs> I came home last night. I took a shower. That water was blasting me in the face. I said, thank God for water pressure. We are so spoiled, man. People there, you, you can't even uh, drink the water that comes out of the faucet. It'll make you sick. You can barely get by on a dollar, two dollars a day. And yet there those people are. They come into the church. They're filled with joy and passion. They're living for God. They're planting churches. They're making disciples. Even with all the comforts that we have. This morning, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge especially the men on this Father's Day as we are honoring men of God who stand firm and stand fast. That is what we honor on this day. The soldiers of the cross who face the battle and still stand firm even when it hurts you, even when it's painful. This is how God made us. This is why masculinity is not toxic. True masculinity is a wonderful thing for a family, for a home to protect and to provide and watch over. And so this morning, I want, to, uh, I want to open this altar in just a few moments. And before we do that, I want to give a call. Maybe someone who's, not here, who's, who's here but not right with the Lord. Your sins are destroying you. I talked a moment about pride. Pride is what stops us from giving our life to the Lord. Pride says, I know a better way for my own life. But when we come before the Lord, the call is this, to surrender our hearts. Say, Lord... I don't know what I'm doing. My sin is destroying me. I wonder, can you humble yourself before the Lord and admit that you are a sinner in need of saving? Before we do anything else, I wonder if this gospel message has been able to penetrate your cold and broken heart today. Say, Pastor, I'm here. I'm not right with God, but I want to be. My sins are destroying me, but the blood of Jesus, I believe, can change me and set me free. If that's you this morning, would you lift up your hand? I want to pray with you. Is there anyone here? Quickly. You respond. Say, Pastor, I need salvation. My sins to be forgiven. Is there someone here? Quickly, quickly this morning. Need the power of God to set you free. 
maybe backslidden, not right with the Lord, but you want to be before you leave this place. Can I see your hand? Anyone at all? Quickly this morning. God deals with our hearts. All right. I want to move on this call. I want to pray for people here this morning. I want to pray for healing. I wonder, Chris, if you could go get your son. I want to pray for him before we leave this morning. But before we, uh, before we leave this place, I want to give you an opportunity to come to this altar. There's some men here that God is challenging you to stand firm in the faith. God is challenging Listen, your family needs you to stand firm. This church needs you to stand firm. This, the, the kingdom of God needs men who will stand fast, who will stay on guard, who will be alert, who will not fall to the temptations and the pitfalls of this world, who will not be swayed by the winds of doctrines. We need men of God to rise up. We need men of God who will not be women ruled by their emotions. We need men of God who will stand up and not be effeminate and weak. I'm not talking about physical strength. I'm talking about emotional and spiritual strength. To stand firm for the kingdom of God, for your family. Maybe God would challenge some men. Maybe God would challenge uh, every person in this place to stand up and to honor biblical masculinity when we see it. Amen. Church, let's stand to our feet together. I believe that God is speaking to some people. Let's come to this altar and ask God to help us this morning as we pray and ask Him to strengthen us in our time of need. Let's cry out to the Lord right now as we sing this song. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vvph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.